There was an interesting article in GQ magazine on November 9th. Um, it was a question and answer style article with between a reporter and uh, Luis Elizondo, who uh, was the uh, former head of the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program that we're all aware of now, ATIP, um, and who has been coming forth with... Uh, his thoughts on uh, UFOs or UAP is what the government likes to refer to them as these days, unidentified aerial phenomenon. Um, anyhow, uh, in this uh, Q&A article, uh, which I will leave a link for in the description, uh, the question is asked, what makes you convinced that these flying objects haven't been made by the United States, the Chinese, or any other government? And Elizondo says uh, he knows it's not the United States uh, because the United States has already come out and admitted it's not us. So now let's talk about the potential for it to be a foreign adversarial technology. Well, if that were the case, this would be the greatest intelligence failure that this country has ever faced, including that of 9-11. Because some country for more than 70 years has managed to be able to conduct operations with a technology that surpasses anything that we've ever had or currently have and they've been able to operate in and around our restricted airspace unchallenged well that's a great point there's absolutely no chance that for all these decades that uh, china russia or anyone anyone else out there was able to have some sort of technology that they could come in and, and basically outperform anything we have and then take off and disappear it just makes it impossible but the second reason is the biggest reason he says, <clears throat> but the second reason is there's a time aspect. I have in my possession official United States government documentation that describes the exact same vehicle that we now call the Tic Tac, which, the, as we know, I'm going to just point this out to everyone who knows, the Tic Tac is what the uh, the pilots uh, of the USS Nimitz saw back in 2004. It looked like a, a Tic Tac candy, you know, and it was uh, doing things and, <laughs> than any kind of aircraft we have just cannot do. But anyway, he uh, he says, uh, <clears throat> he says, I have in my possession official United States government documentation that describes the exact same vehicle that we now call the Tic Tac being described in the early 1950s and early 1960s and performing in ways that, frankly, can outperform anything we have in our inventory. For some country to have developed hypersonic technology, instantaneous acceleration, and basically transmedial travel in the early 1950s is absolutely preposterous. That's absolutely true, Luis, because it is absolutely preposterous. And these and there have been reports, and some of these reports, uh, we they're already in the public domain. Now, maybe he, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that uh, Mr. Elizondo has access to. Uh, or had access to other reports uh, that we that the public still doesn't have, but I mean there, there are there's various UFO books out there, and and a lot of these books, uh, you know, they'll they'll include uh, actually actual uh, declassified uh, United States government documents that were you know uh, declassified after Freedom of Information Act requests or or whatever, <clears throat> and 
uh, these kind of vehicles, these tic-tac-shaped uh, objects, uh, were seen in the 1950s and 60s. You could read about. I know I've read. Uh, there, there's a lot of different. Uh, uh, you know, in books like uh, UFOs and the National Security State by Richard Dolan, uh, Volumes One and Two, which covers basically the military's interest and involvement with uh, the UFO problem from the late 1940s into the early 1990s. Uh, if you read books like that, and there's other books out there too, uh, you, you, there are there is uh, reference to uh, documents about uh, uh, military encounters with UFOs. Uh, some of them are the actual declassified documents. Some of, sometimes it's you know from different military personnel that uh, talk about it. You know, when, maybe when they're not supposed to. <clears throat> but um, excuse me. However, uh, I mean, that's absolutely the case. It's absolutely preposterous. I mean, a lot of people, you know, when this thing first cropped up, you know, a, a lot of people out there, well, well, this has been going on since 2004. I mean, people like, like they're just saying, well, you know, they in their mind, there's like, well, they started seeing these things in 2004 because that's the first report that the government has acknowledged, the first, basically, the, the, the earliest that the government is basically saying, we don't know what it is you know, 2004, so a lot of people assume, well, it's really only been going on since 2004. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely that's absolutely preposterous because it's been going on for decades. I mean, there's been some, how many civilian reports, military reports, I mean, and, and then we're not even going to get into the uh, abduction reports and a lot of the, some of the other weird things that's been going on all this time. Um, I saw a UFO in 1994, and that thing was not made by humankind, I can assure you. Um, just no way. There's no way. I mean, these things, they're, they're flying silent. There's no sound, you know, nothing, nothing, you know, and it could be right above your head. I mean, that's what I experienced. I, I saw a thing that was as big as a, as a house, you know, right there, a couple of stories off the ground, you know, just floating there. No sound, absolutely zero sound. That's what these things they're, they're capable of doing. They can move in, in in a manner that any kind of flying craft that we've developed cannot. Um, and that's what he's talking about here. It's, it's absolutely preposterous to think that China, Russia, or anyone else has uh, been using these kind of machines. Because if they had, you know, they probably, you know, they, they would have, I'm certain something would have happened, uh, uh, war some sort of war would have happened by this point where they would have just destroyed us and uh we'd all be you know a bunch of communists right now in, in the united states okay well we'll be right back after this very quick message this episode is brought to you by snapple Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Um, okay, moving on. Um, the, uh, this article, there's an, this article in GQ, GQ magazine from November 9th, uh, uh, between a reporter and, uh, Luis Elizondo, the former director of the advanced aerospace threat identification program or ATIP 
talks about uh, you know health related issues uh, when people come in contact or close contact with uh, UFOs. And the the reporter asks, what kind of thing might happen if you were near one? And Elizondo goes on. He says, a lot. He says, let me give you a notional. I've got to be careful. I can't speak too specifically. But one might imagine that you get a report from a pilot who says, Lou, it's really weird. I was flying and I got close to this thing and I came back home and it was like I got a sunburn. I was red for four days. Well, that's a sign of radiation. That's not a sunburn. It's a radiation burn. Then a pilot might say, if they had a, if they had got a little closer, Lou, I'm at the hospital. I've got symptoms that are indicative of microwave damage, meaning internal injuries. And even in my brain, there's some morphology there. And then you might get somebody who gets really close and says, you know, Lou, it's really bizarre. I feel like I was there for only five minutes, but when I looked at my watch, 30 minutes went by. But I, w- I only use five minutes worth of fuel. How is that possible? Well, there's a reason for that, we believe. And it probably has to do with warping of space-time. And the closer you get to one of these vehicles, the more you may begin to experience space-time relative to the vehicle and environment. Now, that's incredible. That is incredible. You actually, you know, you could time travel, basically. By getting close to one of these things, you could actually time travel a little bit into the future. You know, basically, that's what he's saying. That's unbelievable. Plus, you know, who knows what other radiation burns? I mean, what 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 these things cause? Um, uh, it, it could be serious. Uh, you don't want to get too close to one. If you see one land, it don't get near. I remember reading there was a there was a famous story. I can't think of it offhand where some guy went up to one of these things and, and got some sort of burns uh, and he still had them. He was, he was scarred. He was sick and made him sick. And uh, yeah, so you don't want to get near a UFO, but it's interesting to, to, to hear him talking about like some pilots apparently that, uh, you know, were coming to him and, and, or that he had a deal with that got close to uh, UFOs. And then they had issues, health problems from these things. Um, you know, that's, <laughs> so I guess the warning here is, you know, if you see one land it, maybe you better stay, stay clear of it. You know, don't forget to film it with your cell phone, you know, but uh, stay, steer clear. And then he, Elizondo wouldn't, uh, wouldn't say whether he personally saw when he doesn't think that's, uh, <clears throat> he doesn't think that's the right thing to do at this point. You know, everybody's waiting for his book to come out. You know, including me, a lot of people that are interested in this subject are, he, he's, he made a big, uh, book, uh, book deal and he's, I don't know when it's coming out. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, uh, 2022 sometime. And that's going to be interesting. I'm sure he'll provide more information on what he knows. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll provide more information on what we're talking about here on, on the health issues that, uh, that are caused by, you know, people getting too close to these objects. Um, it's amazing um, and scary, very scary. I mean, I, I wonder now when I had my incident back in 1994, I mean, this thing that uh, me and my buddy saw, we were fish, night fishing in the middle of the night, and uh, all of a sudden this object shows up out of the clear blue sky. Well, actually, clear black sky was pitch dark out. Uh, three giant lights on the front of it, no sound, and it was basically hovering right in front of us. Um, I, I, you know, <laughs> I'm looking straight up at it. Uh, it was right there, like two and a half stories off the ground, and there was no sound. We were pretty close. 
but I don't remember any, you know, any burns or anything to that effect. I don't remember feeling sick or anything. I remember, I remember feeling dazzled in my mind, you know, for quite a while. I mean, it was stunning, scary, fascinating, a bunch of things all wrapped into one, but, uh, I didn't suffer any ill health effects. Um, so yeah, just stay clear, steer clear of them. If you see one. All right here, uh, moving on. You know, this Luis Elizondo is a very fascinating character, and it makes me wonder. The one problem I have with all of this is like, okay, he's been uh, you know, a former government employee that was a head of, head of the, this uh, Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, ATIP, and it makes me wonder, is he, I mean, and he's coming forward with all this information. He has a book coming out. Um, <clears throat> there's something funny about the whole thing to me. There's something funny about it. It something doesn't ring true about the entire. I think I think the information he's providing to the public is is true. I think he's trying to. I think this, but I don't think. Uh, I think this is part of a of a bigger picture. I think that actually he is acting as some sort of. Uh, he's on a mission for our government. He's part of some clandestine plan to. Uh, uh, to disclose the truth over a slow period of time to get people used to the idea that, yep, yep, it's all true. There, there's something going on here. That we just, we, they're, they're from other planet people coming from other beings coming from other planets. And that's why I think this, this, I think that's what this could be. Doesn't make me right, but that's how I feel. I mean, consider, I mean, if you were, if the government really wanted to keep this hush hush, and like they have been, like they wore, like they have for decades since the forties, fifties, sixties, all these decades they've been. This is you know, you know they, you know you just think about. It. It's not just the United States. There's governments of other countries. Look in Australia, nineteen sixty six, a bunch of school kids see a UFO in broad daylight. You know, uh, and then you know military personnel shows up, tells you know tells them that you know shuts the whole thing down. They don't want this to go public. You know, and they tell you know threaten some teacher. They tell one teacher, hey. You know, if you say anything about this, you're going to get fired. We'll say you're an alcoholic. Next thing you know, it'll be a big article in the newspaper and you're going to be fired. You know, so, but that kind of stuff, you know, you think that kind of stuff would have been happening to him. Now, in this article that appeared in GQ, this uh, Q&A article, he actually talks a little bit about, uh, you know, like like he was uh, getting, like that some people were concerned that he was uh, going to get, uh, you know, you know, get 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 in trouble from the government, um, and it, and it goes on here. It says uh, when, when he when he initially spoke to the New York Times about this, it says, "Were you worried about repercussions?" He said, and he says he was getting calls from the FBI. Uh, I was he's getting calls from people that the FBI was going to be coming to his house and SWAT was going to come to his house, and um, uh, and and then another question they asked is, "Do you have a sense of why they didn't raid you and throw you in jail and instead let you carry on talking?" He's, and he says this: "These are my personal opinion, which I rarely give because I have no way to substantiate this. Is there were enough people on this on the inside that said, look, he was briefing the senior brass, and you need to be careful because if you squeeze Lou too hard, you're going to have very very senior people come to his defense." <laughs> okay, yeah, that could be true, maybe. But maybe it's what's true is what I'm saying is that actually Lou Elizondo is on a top secret mission for the Pentagon. You know, all these things he's been doing. Why not? I'm 
doesn't make me right. I'm not saying that's the absolute case. I'm just, you know, as someone who's who's been, uh, you know, reading about this, studying this subject for all these decades. I mean, I've been very interested in since the early 1990s. So basically 30 years. Uh, I mean, my interest goes back a little bit further than that. But I really, after I saw that thing in 1994, uh, that really... <laughs> That really had me wondering what the hell's going on. And I, you know, I, I've read numerous books over the decades. I've watched numerous documentary programs, some good, some bad. But uh, I think I've uh, developed a pretty good understanding of the whole situation. I, I, you know, there's some people like out there who I think are a bunch of phonies. Uh, I'm not going to say any names here. Um, and I think there's some people out there who are legitimate. Um, I'm talking about researchers. And of course, there are also people out there who put phony images online on on the internet all the time. And there's some people out there who put on images that uh, are real. Uh, it's you know, and you gotta you gotta be able to understand okay, which is what what's real and what's not. And I'm sure sometimes I get fooled. And you know, either way. But the fact is, is when you see one, you know for a fact that they're there. But again, I, I'm getting off the off the point here. The point is, is Luis Elizondo, some sort of on, on a secret mission. Is this a secret mission to help with this? Uh, uh, to help with this, what seems to be <clears throat> a, a slow disclosure of the of the truth of the reality that extraterrestrials are uh, on this planet, are visiting here, are up to something, and there's basically nothing we can do about it. Um, I mean, <laughs> uh. That's what it is. There's no question in my mind that uh, they're here, and and you know whether this guy is you know just doing this because he thinks that it's the right thing personally to do, or whether he's doing it because he's on some mission. Uh, I'm glad it's happening, you know, one way or the other. It doesn't matter. And then they actually in this article too, they they they, they touch on uh, crash retrievals and debris. He said, let's talk about crash retrievals. And do you believe we have recovered a craft? And he says, I have been told I have to be very careful how I answer this question. See, he's he's been told. He's, it's almost as though what I'm saying is true. I mean, he's, you know, when was he told this? Well, a long time ago? I mean, how, okay, they're letting him say certain. That's like he almost is still working with somebody. I have been told I have to be very careful how I answer this question. I am not allowed to expound upon anything I've already said. What I have said is that it is my opinion, my belief. He can only give his opinion. A strong belief, hint, hint, that the United States government is in possession of exotic material associated with UAPs. That's all, that is all I'm allowed to say. He's been given permission to say certain things, obviously. Obviously. So doesn't it seem this way? And again, let's you know we can get back to this whole you know the China and Russia theory. Oh, they must be they they figured some things out. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. And but we did. I, I, you know you you have to wonder this though too. Is there some secret Cold War? Like like there's the, there was the Cold War between Russia and the United States, the USSR and the United States at one point uh, that you know came to an end. You know that went on for a couple few decades there. You know, there was the Cold War, but has there since, is, has there been this other cold, even colder war? You know, n none of these countries, I'm sure, want one or the other to know that they have recovered certain kind of techno alien technology. You know, I mean, 
the United States government uh, seemed like they really wanted to, to keep that lid on the Roswell situation. And I'm sure there were other situations. They probably learned from that. And other situations after that were even more, uh, they were su- more successfully secretive and doing a better job at it. Um, so, yeah, you have to wonder. Anyhow, you know, it, but if they did, it, I don't think it really matters. I think it's we're probably at a point now. Like it's almost like if you recover the alien technology and they're 100,000 years more advanced than we are or more, you know, say a million years more advanced and you're trying to understand their technology, you might be able to figure out how to operate it. Just like if you threw Socrates, if you went back in time and threw Socrates a, a solar calculator, I'm sure he'd be able to figure out how to operate it, but he's never going to figure out how it works. You know, it's probably going to take, I mean, maybe over a long period of time and, and many generations, uh, some they, they'd figure it out, but you know, not right away. <clears throat> and I think the same would go with this situation. It would be the same as, you know, uh, you know, you know, a monkey trying to figure out how to how a car engine operates, trying to explain, uh, you know, you, you know, it's that's what it would be. I mean, you just can't. It's impossible. You know, you, you just can't. Uh, you know, you know, you can't have a, a a monkey teaching quantum physics in a in, in a in a college because it's just not going to work. You know. If you give a if you're going to give a monkey a, a test on quantum physics, he's going he's he's not even going to get he's not even going to get the point for spelling his name right, right? So he's going to get a zero. And I think that's where human beings would be. I don't I just don't think we'd be able to understand at all. It'd be too difficult when your technology is a hundred thousand years more advanced, or who knows how how many years more advanced than from where we are right now. If the technology is that more advanced, none of these countries are going to understand nobody no none of the scientists that they might you know figure little tiny bits and pieces out here and there over many years right but it's going to take them a long time and so you know but i believe behind the scenes that's probably there's a there's a different kind of cold war going on behind the scenes between all these you know countries these powerful countries um because i'm sure that in russia i mean when you have when you're a big, strong country and you have, you know, a, you know strong, powerful, well-funded military and, and uh, you know, you're going to be able to you that get gives you the ability, the ability when something crashes, the ability to, to recover it, to cover it up, to keep it secret from the public. You know, you have all these uh, things at your disposal because you're, you know, you're just a, you're, you're powerful. You, you have the the uh, the means to do that. And I think that's probably, I'm sure maybe China has some things too. Maybe there's some other countries. China, Russia, United States have recovered craft over the years. And uh, and I'm sure that the, they're, they've been, their scientists have been working diligently ever since, you know, over all these years trying to figure out, okay, how can we, you know, how can we use this ourselves, you know? But again, I think it's you know I still think we're a long way away from figuring it out because if you're if something's a hundred thousand years more advanced, yeah, we think we're smart now with our, our with our with our cell phones and our laptops and our TVs and our electric cars, you know, we think we're smart, but we're not even close to what they're doing, what they've been doing, you know, instantaneous, basically, you know, you know. You could have have a, a, a machine that could fly through the air like at incredible rates of speed, and 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 there's no sound, there's no means of propulsion that you, it's visible. Yeah, we're just again, we it's going to take us a long time to figure these things out. But I do believe that behind the scenes there is some sort of a cold war going on. Um, 
a race, if you will, between all these superpowers and semi-superpowers. <laughs> 